welcome to Board Game Binge, the place where we bring you bite-sized, bingeable board game content from across the industry. I'm your host, James Staley, and in this episode, we're chatting with Eli, Zach, and Willem, who are collectively known as the Delve Bro. Their passions cross video and board game design, as well as fun content creation. Currently, they have a Kickstarter running for their newest title, Tailmore, the Scan and Play Dungeon Crawler. Gentlemen, welcome to the binge. How are you doing? Doing great. Oh. <laughs> Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Awesome having you guys. Man, there is just a crap load of stuff to unpack here in what you guys are doing. You guys are doing a lot of stuff. We keep busy. Yeah, you're busy dudes. You're going to try to get through it in a half hour. Uh, if we can't get through it all, we'll bring you back. I'm sure there's going to be some other stuff you guys are working on in the future. So why don't we start off really quickly? Could each of you, and why don't we start off with, say, Zach, just because the way the panels are kind of organized on our screen here. Go Zach, then Willem, then Eli. Introduce who you are as part of the brothers and then kind of what your background was coming in, if you don't mind. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, so I'm Zach uh, Delventhal. I am I am one third of the Delve Bros, and um, and I came into this from a real strong software engineering background. I've done a lot of open source development, um, a little bit of blockchain work, um, a lot of web development, and uh, so I came in. And my my big focus has been on sort of the technical side, building out the mobile app, that sort of thing. Sweet. Well. Yeah. Um, hello, I'm Willem, uh, and I'm, I guess, mostly the business duder here. Um, <laughs> I call myself a serial entrepreneur in the conscious games space. Um, so I love using games to do weird, funky things. Before this, I was actually working on uh, video games for cats that teach you more about them. Um, and now I run an accelerator to teach students how to make their own games. So were you working, just quickly on that, so were you working with a school system or some kind of educational faculty or what brought you into the educational side on that? Um, sort of the opportunity. <laughs> I was teaching for another group called Playcrafting uh, and I was doing explicitly Unity engineering courses for them. Um, and then realized that the best part of that program almost every time was the final two weeks where students got to build whatever they wanted. Yeah. So instead of an engineering course, I instead now have what I call an indie studio accelerator uh, where I take these students and run them through the process of starting their own indie studios, which to me is way cooler, but you know, I don't know. Oh, that's absolutely way cooler. All right, <laughs> Eli, and what's your, what's your background? Hey, yeah, my background is basically video games. Um, ever since I was really little, I've been making board games, video games, that sort of thing. But I've been professionally making video games, mostly mobile games for the last like 13 years. Um, probably the most notable thing I've worked on is Lumosity, which is like brain training games. Um, wow. Yeah. And actually Willem and I worked there together. And I think that's part of how he ended up with the like brain training, except he spun it up for cats. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> yeah. But uh, I've also been working on like side indie game projects for quite a while. And I, in the last year, um, decided I really wanted to, to take a stab at going full time. That's cool. So how did, now the three of you are actually in different cities, right? You guys are in different parts of the country. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so how did you guys all start kind of working together? Like you're obviously all brothers, right? So you stay in mm -hmm. contact somewhat like most families do, but how did that kind of bridge into saying, Hey, why don't we make this more formal and start working together? And when did that happen? I think actually continuing what I was saying is a good way to do that or continuing yeah. what I just said. Um, so I 
was like, I want to make this game company. COVID basically kind of enabled that to some degree. Sure. Uh, and then I mentioned it to these two guys that I wanted to do that. And they both were like, I want to do that with you. And that's kind of how it started, I think, <laughs> unless you guys want to add something on there. <laughs> the three of us have a history of making usually dumb, but games um, <laughs> together. You know, I since we were kids, I remember, you know, uh, building like our own versions of board games and dreaming of building video games and being able to do that because coding seemed like magic back then. Um, and then moving into coding. Um, I mean, not me, I, I get it, but, uh, <laughs> but, um, but no, so we've always, you know, we've always been in touch. We've always been working on things sort of our whole lives and, um, touching base with each other. And we've done things like we've had like a YouTube channel together and stuff. So we, we've done a lot of projects together of varying sizes and scales. We shot a web series. <laughs> um, and so this in a lot of ways was a continuation of that. Um, I, Eli is a really talented game developer and, you know, it's always been, uh, something he's had to do part-time. So the idea of getting to jump in full-time with him and really try and build something was super exciting to me. What was the web series called? Uh, American Exodus. Oh boy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we shot it. We shot it over a Christmas break when we were all mm -hmm. visiting uh, Connecticut, where my family lives, where I actually am now. This is like their cottage in the woods. Gotcha. Um, but uh, yeah, you can look it up. It's it's really prescient. It turns out because we shot it about sort of kind of a ridiculous like uber right wing family, right. Um, and kind of a mockumentary style who like were so fed up with Obamacare that they like seceded from the country like themselves and just went okay. off and lived in the woods. And this was like all pre, you know, 2016 and sure. everything that's happened since. So like, it all just seems kind of like benign now, but at the yeah. time it was like absurd satire. Yeah. So, and you guys have like acting backgrounds, right? You guys are saying like, there's some acting uh, that you guys have been involved. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think we've all been involved and uh, Zach definitely is the one who's got the most to say here, but um, our parents are both acting professionals in the theater space specifically. Okay. Um, so our mother uh, was for the longest time, they're both retired now, uh, teacher at Choate Rosemary Hall, head of theater over there, our father at a school in Connecticut. Um, and they've just done theater forever. So we sort of have all done at least a, a, a fair, our fair share of acting. You've been around most, most of your lives, up, I guess, eh? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, most people grew up playing catch. We just, we like acted in scenes and stuff. Talked about our feelings. <laughs> now your YouTube, your YouTube channel, which is the channel actually called Delve Bros? Yeah. Yeah. We changed so the name. The, I, think. I it used to be Bad Enough Dudes. Yes. The, the, the one episode dudes. I caught was um, when you guys decided you would spend a weekend making a game, a ridiculous mm -hmm. game. And mm -hmm. I think you called it uh, Honey Talks. Pony Talks Hatchback Stunt Simulator Ghost Protocol. That's <laughs> yeah. And the whole thing is you're supposed to like crash, but then you're like trying to avoid cars that are flipping all over. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. It's pretty fun. Uh-huh. Yeah. Go into that. Uh, so I assume most people are familiar with like the Tony Hawk skateboarding sure. games. Yeah. So it's mm -hmm. obviously a, a play off of that. Um, so this is a game jam. Uh, so it means you do it in a weekend and they give you like a theme, which is usually like one word or two. And this one, I think, was like 
the more there are, the worse it gets or something yeah, like that. The better you do, yeah. the worse it gets, something like that. Something along those lines. Yeah. yeah. So that kind of led into this idea of like a, some sort of trick stunt game where at the end of a line of tricks, it would like replay what you had just done. And so basically you end up filling the level up with your previous like trick lines. And of course, to make it more funny, you have to blow yourself up to end the trick. You don't want to actually land nicely. You have to like <laughs> land badly and then cause the car to explode. So after you play for like 10, 15 minutes, there's just like your previous like <laughs> car flying across and you yeah. like try to do a trick and another car will come and blow you up and it yeah. becomes a, a hellscape. Crazy. <laughs> it's like um it's like ghost racers in like a racing game where you can mm -hmm. race against your race against your own previous ghost except yeah. you can collide with these ghosts they will in fact crash into you and destroy you and they just keep building up it's not like the best run it's all of the runs since you yeah. started yeah. playing so yeah it gets ridiculous by the what, end what i think was cool is it really highlighted i think your technical prowess right which i think is going to play into some of these other things we're going to talk about in this in this uh, particular podcast um, but to crank through that in a weekend, no matter how ridiculous it was when you're watching it, it's like, this is insane. Um, <laughs> but still to, to create that in such a short time, I think was, was pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Um, now, Willem, you and I first connected, um, through your, uh, Bitboard con. Can you tell us a little bit? So you started basically a, a board game, uh, online convention, which yeah. why not, right? Why not just create a convention? <laughs> so tell us about that. Well, what, what was that all about? Yeah. I mean, where I have like wound up finding my joy is uh, just games used to do stuff that aren't games. Yeah. I don't know why exactly I love that, but I love that. Um, so towards the beginning of convention, uh, excuse me, towards the beginning of the pandemic, um, when I was still trying to make cat video games a thing, uh, I ran an online convention to try to like make up for the fact that now we're all stuck inside. Yeah. Uh, and it went really well. We had uh, a couple hundred attendees, uh, really wonderful, like little thing. I had built it with another um, friend of mine who was running his own little cat startup. Um, and so when we were trying to make the Tailmore Kickstarter happen and trying to think outside of the box for how a small, relatively recently started studio could get some attention for their game, I was like, well, I could try to run another one of these conventions. Um, mm -hmm. And that's where Bitboards came from. So the idea is Bitboards is a, a gamified convention. It's a game into and of itself. To explore this map of this world, Bitboardia. Uh, and in this map, you find the more typical convention content as well as more fun stuff. So you'll find an actual talk at like the Witch's Hut or whatever about like how to brew the art in your game. I don't remember the actual talks, but you know, something like that. Yeah. Um, and it just became, yeah, uh, something that had its own little life. Um, we had somewhere around 200 people come and join us. We had 50 actual talks. Um, we had a couple of big names sponsor us. Tabletopia sponsored us. Saw that, yeah. Freaking cool. Wow. Yeah. Um, and it went really well. We were really happy with it. That's interesting. So you, you gamified the game convention. So was it something where it leads people along a spe specified path so that, mm -hmm. uh, it, I guess for a, uh, a sponsor, for instance, who, mm -hmm. one of the concerns, I think a lot of these, uh, people have with these online conventions, certainly myself. Um, think of any of the cons that have happened in the past year and a half where it's in an online format. It's obviously not mm -hmm. going to be the same, right? Yeah. Is, uh, is being there a person, but from a vendor standpoint or a publisher standpoint, it's like, okay, how do I emulate that experience of grabbing somebody walking by out of the aisle? Right. Yep. And, and that's the big thing you miss with these, these virtual conventions is that you have to book meetings, 
it's kind of pre-planned who's coming to see. So unless you did the work ahead of time, which you mm-hmm. should do anyways, but I mean, all the work has to be done ahead of time to get the people into the booth that you're actually going to talk to. And you miss kind of that spontaneous um, interaction. So is this something yes. you were able to fairly well solve when you yeah. did this? Or? Yeah, I think it definitely still has, um, you know, areas to be improved upon for yeah. the next one, for sure. But as far as taking our first crack at it, I think we did to some degree. Um, the, the main sort of differentiator is what we kept calling our interactive convention map, which was, you know, imagine you're opening up Lord of the Rings and on that first page, it's the map of middle earth. Um, okay. imagine that except leading to these different events. So what, uh, what we attempted to do, just like you're talking about in a typical online convention, you're either in a discord server with a bunch of these disparate rooms, or you're yeah. like looking at sort of a drop down list of events. Um, and those are well and good. They serve their purpose, but there's no reason for me to be there except for those events that, um, you know, I actually want to go attend yeah. versus an in-person event. Uh, I have reasons to be there. I walk around, there's fun stuff, there's food, there's like stuff for me to buy, stuff for me to look at, things that I might not have run into before. Yeah. So the main thing that we tried to do this time that I think we at least reasonably succeeded upon is just like give them something to do except go to these events. And in this case, it was exploring a little map and getting rickrolled by an octopus and, you know, all kinds of stupid stuff like that. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So you guys have this, this campaign. So some of this technology, so you got the, the passion behind games, you've got the technology side and you've kind of put these two things together, right? And you've, so you've got this board game that you use your phone for, and it's a dungeon crawler. So you're scanning as you go. Can you talk a little bit about this? Um, I'm going to share my screen for people that are um, watching live or watching on the, the replay um, but you've hit, uh, I'll put this in Canadian dollars cause it always sounds bigger, but you, you're nearly uh, at $33,000 on a goal of about 30,413 backers. You still got nine days to go. So you're obviously going to do much higher than, uh, than your target. So congratulations on that first and foremost, cause that is not Thanks. an easy thing to do, mm-hmm. especially for a first time, uh, publisher. Right. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so that's awesome. So take us through this game, what it's all about, How'd you come up with the name? Uh, just the whole kind of concept behind it. Yeah. yeah um, so I think the, the original, actually stepping back even from this game, uh, any game, us deciding which game to make, uh, we spent a while just like trying different things out. And this was one of the concepts that we tried out. And we essentially like pitted them against each other in various ways. The kind Mm. of most interesting maybe was that we did like a live debate where each of the three of us (laughs) like defended one of these games, uh, game concepts that we had, and then like had the audience vote on which ones they liked and and so on. And uh, Tailmore is what ended up winning through all of these different comparisons. And the original um, idea for Tailmore came out of uh, a combination of something that I've been wanting to do for years and we've talked about for years, which would be like a, a D&D helper, mm-hmm. yep. uh, kind of like mobile app that could connect you with other players and the DM could like send secret messages and stuff like that. Um, and so we already had that kind of kicking around in our heads for quite a while. And then uh, I, I think I played with Willem, Chronicles of Crime, um, mm-hmm. which is a, a different board game with QR scanning. And I thought it was really uh, a very cool kind of template that had a lot of potential, but I think Chronicles of Crime barely scratched the surface. Mm-hmm. And so you sort of thought about, well, we could take like a D&D like dungeon crawler experience 
and can really get the best of both worlds from a board game and a video game by having this sort of QR scanning technology and build like a dungeon crawler out of it. So that's kind of how it, it started. And then we sort of built it up from there. So yeah. when you did this, um, for lack of a better word, uh, innovation funnel mm -hmm. uh, with your three different concepts, right? The, you, so was it a dungeon crawler when it was part of that concept or was the concept that it would be uh, a QR code scanning information gathering game like how did you how was it kind of positioned when you guys started doing that initial narrowing down it was pretty close to yeah. what it ended up being um mm -hmm. a lot changed but i think the things that changed were on like the micro level rather than the macro level okay. a lot mm -hmm. of like individual mechanics changed but the core concept kept pretty constant yeah and then the other two concepts so it was you had like uh i guess your facebook group or you had like a you know, i guess a, an audience that you kind of tested mm -hmm. this with Mm -hmm. um, and then, so they would play it and then vote based on how much they enjoyed the, the three different types of games. Is that how that worked? We had a lot of stuff going on. There yeah. was a, I think a two month process where we went mm -hmm. through, we built, um, five or six different prototypes. We mm -hmm. spent like two weeks prototyping different ideas and we would have play tests. Um, we have a discord community, cool. uh, feel free to join that, um, <laughs> tlm.gg slash discord. Um, <laughs> And, uh, but yeah, so we, you know, we would do play tests with them and then this all sort of culminated, we narrowed it down. I mean, our initial list of just like ideas, ideas was yeah. something like 50 things. Wow. And we narrowed it down to our three favorites, um, which we had built prototypes of. And then we had sort of a live debate, um, which was really just an attempt to sort of, um, Get like a courtroom setting and get like a you know where the three of us were each really focused on bringing out the best points of one idea and the worst mm -hmm. points of the other idea and sort of air that out in front of people and see how they all held up um did you guys yeah. record that by any chance i think i think so i think it's on our twitch it might be on our twitch much but you should yeah. upload yeah. that to youtube that'd be a cool uh cool it's thing fun i mean it's it's a yeah. formal debate yeah, <laughs> yeah, but we did. We had rules. We had like time limits. Um, it was fun. It was a fun night. And yeah, awesome. at the end of it, you know, the the debate wasn't binding or anything. It was just an attempt to sure. like get information um, and come at this problem of well, what do we what do we spend a year of our life building? Yeah, um, you know, from a different angle. And I think yeah, at the end of the day, we all agreed. Tailmore was it. Um, you know. Yeah. We, we absolutely love the concept and we think we think there's nothing really out there uh, quite like it. Mm -hmm. So take us through. So you got this dungeon crawler. So how does it work? So somebody starts off and then there's QR codes, like kind of walk us through kind of how they work their way through this dungeon. Yeah. So first the um, 3D models of the characters actually come out of the cardboard, which took a lot of development. Time. Oh, that's I'm cool. Kidding. I'm totally kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, um, selling. False advertising. Um, no. So, uh, I mean, I think all, all three of us have, have a sort of our own viewpoints on it at this point, but um, something that excites me about it in the way that I often describe it is unlike any other role-playing system out there, uh, there is the least amount of information for all of the players like possible. Mm -hmm. um, so you open up your phone, you hit a scenario to start it, and it says, great, there's like some talk about some stuff over in that castle over there. Put this room tile down and put your character there. And then it gives you no other information. So, you know, everybody is a part of the mystery. Um, there is no DM. The forever DMs are no more is something we used to say. Um, and uh, you interact with things using QR codes on these pieces. So oftentimes at the beginning of the scenario, it's almost uh, sort of a trope for us now 
The only thing you have is that first room and a figure, which means there's only one QR code in that space, which is the room. So one of the first things you're going to do is hit inspect and then scan that room. And it goes like, oh man, there's a chest in the corner and like a monster or whatever. Um, so it's this unfolding co-op narrative adventure based upon QR codes that are on pretty much everything that's in the box. I think a good comparison is like a, to video games, at least, is like a, a point and click adventure or a text mm -hmm. adventure mm -hmm. um, where, you know, you just start wherever the scenario says you start. And then it's up to you and the people you're playing with to sort of investigate, check things out. All right. Is there a door in here? There is. Is it locked? OK, do I need my lock picks to get through? And you can just sort of try anything. There's a lot of experimentation to it, which I really love. Mm -hmm. um, pretty much every piece in the game has a QR code. And what that means is that there's a really tight coupling between the physical pieces and the, you know, what the app is doing and what the app is telling you uh, in your phone. So if like, if you want to pick the lock, great. If you want to, you know, stab your jailer with the lock picks, great. Like, you know, <laughs> there's all sorts of different ways you can combine and experiment with these pieces mm -hmm. um, and just sort of see what happens. Yep. How, how long did it take you guys to program this? While. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's still ongoing to be Man, honest. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Because we did two big phases, we we wanted to make a web version so that as many people as possible could play it without having to worry about an app or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, so you just go to a website, kind of like Jackbox, if you've ever played that, yep. and then you can just like share it around. Um, but for the the final release, an app is definitely a better experience. So we're still building the app now. The mm -hmm. web experience, which has all the same functionality, the app uh, is being implemented with just now. Just less polished. Uh, yeah, it's probably around three to four months of solid development time, I would say, engineering time for about one and a half people on average. Well, so how, like do, how does the web uh, version of that work? So is it still the web on your phone? And mm -hmm. so you're yep. scanning the codes with your phone still then, I guess, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, you, yeah, can, you imagine... can do all that through the web these days. Yeah. And and it's a pretty good experience. There's some stuff yeah. you can't do um, that you could do with a mobile app. But the nice thing about the web is you can get it up quickly. You can get it in people's hands quickly and they can try yeah. it out. I know yeah. the, uh, so the decision to do like some of these upgrades, like um, like I noticed you've got like a player pawn that acts mm -hmm. as kind of your party marker. Huge upgrade if you guys hit 36,000 US, mm -hmm. I believe, which is this uh, party uh, mini marker. I'll show that on screen for people who want to see it as well. It's gorgeous. Make it happen. Please. Which is yes, pretty please. cool. I want to play with that. <laughs> we really yeah. want to be awesome. <laughs> So how did you kind of map out this campaign? Um, you know, first time around, obviously there's lots of research involved, but was there any mm -hmm. kind of markers you guys used to decide here's how we want to structure this campaign first time around, or have you modeled after to bring consultants on board or how did you kind of structure the campaign? Yeah. Um, I mean, that's uh, an, an ongoing challenge, I guess. It's something that mm takes a lot of effort and a lot of thought. Um, we actually have Zach's wife, Laura Delventhal, the namesake on this computer, um, who acts largely as sort of project manager. Okay. Um, and she has been the head honcho on looking through tons of Kickstarters, becoming a part of many different Kickstarter communities, picking sure. a lot of people's brains. Um, and we've all, of course, been involved in that. Um, but that has come down a lot to her and a lot to just modeling, like you mentioned, a lot of the Kickstarters that we used to love, um, ones like Chronicles of Crime that have some of the similar sort of tech components, ones like Gloomhaven that have some of the similar 
um, mm -hmm. like dungeon crawler components um, and just looking at the way they think they did things and trying to do it, you know, to the best of our ability in a way that makes sense to us. Is there any plans to use uh, like a pledge manager of any sort mm -hmm. or, or anything like that? Yeah. Yeah. We haven't settled on who we're going to use. Um, okay. We're still entertaining uh, quotes, but uh, yes, there will be a pledge manager for Tailmore. How many different, like I know there's eight, so there's eight different scenarios, I guess, right? Is it like eight different stories? Is it fair to say it like that? Um, two of those eight will be multi-part. Mm -hmm. so, so, so that would so be like that once yeah. you, you play basically multiple sessions in the same story. Got yeah. it. Okay. And so in each of those stories or sessions, um, how many different, because there's like a lot of like, there's a lot of QR codes, right? When he looks at yeah. the page, uh -huh. even the cards, each of the individual cards, the con, yeah. everything, there's QR codes literally everywhere, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, how many different iterations and combinations and permutations is there of, like if you said, for example, the key, right? Well, you can yep. use this key to stab your jailer to death or you could use this to this pick to, to try to pick the lock to get it out. So that that's two, two, two situations for that mm -hmm. one item, right? So how mm -hmm. many different combinations and permutations is there across this game? Or is a there lot. going to be across the game once you're done? Yeah. This was something, so Eli can maybe talk a little bit more yeah. about this, but he wrote our, our one of our first scenarios um, and we actually had a, a sort of a larger scope in a way because there were more QR codes used per scenario at that point. Okay. And he just like, okay, this does that. And if you do combine that, that, and this and that, and we had more, so more scans then as well. And it, it, it becomes very challenging to write them all. You know, it's an exponential yeah. thing, right? Mm -hmm. The way, the level that it increases. Yeah. So each scenario right now uses a, it, it's not going to use every piece. Um, you know, that it's going to use probably seven or eight rooms. It's probably going to use maybe a dozen items, maybe three or four of the standees. Um, so it's going to, so different scenarios will use different things. It is still, it's a lot of writing to do ultimately. Yep. Um, but, you know, we do have dedicated writers. We've hired writers too. Um, so not all of the scenarios are written by us. So that's yeah. one way to manage it. Mm -hmm. um, and the other thing is just to come up with weird things that happen when you combine this item with that item and just yep. grind away at it. Yeah, so I think. Go ahead. Well, uh, I think uh, a something that I often talk about with my students is just that the key to an amazing game is playing it with a lot of people. Um, and I think that that's been the case here too. Um, there's been so many moments when someone's like, oh, what if I did this and this? And then nothing happens and we go, okay, so we have to write something for when that happens. Um, and that's just <laughs> part, part, of the, part of the trick of making Tailmore happen. We actually had a big game feature that came out of it. Um, there's a prison escape scenario and you get sort of a vial of like acidic poison. And mm. one thing you were definitely not supposed to do with this vial of acidic poison Drink is it. use it on yourself. Yes. <laughs> but we had a player and a play test was like, yeah, okay, I'm using that on me. And it was like, we were like, uh, <laughs> And it did nothing because we hadn't written that. And then, but that introduced a whole new, cause like what should happen? Like, okay, we could write something lame where he like drops it or like it doesn't end up on it, but it should kill him. Like this yeah. is like a choose your own <laughs> adventure book, they right? Melt. Yeah. You should die, you should melt. That would be funny. 
Um, so we came up with a, a whole new system for the game where you can rewind your turn mm -hmm. because, oh, cool. you know, if you just like try dousing poison on yourself and it kills you and then you have to restart the whole mission over, yeah. that's lame. You should be rewarded right? for that. Yeah, you should be rewarded <laughs> yeah. for for throwing poison on yourself. So you throw poison <laughs> on yourself, you get the, oh, I you killed yourself message. And then it's just like, do you want to take that action back? Yeah. <laughs> Go back. so when you have a technology like this um and you're merging it with like something tactile like a board game mm -hmm. you know I, I look in my uh, game closet at home mm -hmm. and i've got like dvd versions of board games where you have your companion tapes and things like that and the technology dates very quickly um one concern people could have is well you know what if the how long are they going to support this what if the app is basically out of the app store after like a year Mm -hmm. what are your plans to kind of handle that for people that want to back this game, but are maybe a little pensive when it comes to, um, you know, the tech side? Yeah, that's on Zach. That's a big one, but Zach has a beautiful answer for you. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I did mention I have a history as an open source developer and as a web developer. And, you know, this is something I think we probably think about more than the players do. Because yeah. I mean, let's be honest, most of you, you're going to get the game, you're going to play it, you're going to enjoy it, hopefully a ton. And then like, it's going to sit in a closet. And but we we're the ones who made it, we want people who love this game to be playing it forever. As long as there are people who want to play it, we want people to be able to. Yeah. Um, so we've thought a lot about how to make this work because it is, it's absolutely, it's a, it's a valid concern. Like, you know, who knows what the future of Delve Bros is as a company, hopefully it's golden and wonderful. But you know, if we go under in a couple of years and the app starts, stops getting supported, like we don't want that to be the end of the game any more than you do. Yeah. So we have, it's in actually the FAQ of our Kickstarter campaign, check it out. We have committed to a long-term support plan for Tailmore. Um, and basically there's two parts to it. One is um, we will release a sort of full, right now there's a demo web version of the app. We'll release a full web version of the app. Um, and the advantage of that is sort of the web sticks around forever. I don't know if anybody knows about the Space Jam website. Um, but like literally that thing has existed since 1996. Nobody's changed a thing on it. It still mm -hmm. works. The web is nice. backwards compatible forever. So mm -hmm. it's going to be based on web standards. You shouldn't have to touch it. It will at the very least be able to do sort of local play um, with people nearby. It might not be able to do internet play because that will require servers. We'll see how that goes. Um, and we will release the web version to open source. So even if something needs to happen to update it, and we're not there to do it, someone else can do it. Yeah, what is, can you give a quick definition of open source tech? Sure, yeah, if you're not in the development world, um, a lot of sort of the technology that gets built these days, um, Firefox is a common example people might have yeah. um, touched, is open source, um, but there's a lot of sort of tools underneath a lot of the technology you use that are open source as well. And basically it means it's out in the community. Anyone can edit it, anyone can update it, um, there are various sort of systems in place to maintain that, but it is sort of uh, free and open. It's community owned um, or at least community licensed to use. You don't totally give up the copyrights, but, um, but anyways, the point is it doesn't have to be us updating it if it yeah. does need to be updated, which so, hopefully it'll need a minimum of updates. Could that then bridge at some point into other people creating stories with this technology and, and like, the, the work with your board and things like that, or how would that work? Absolutely. Yeah, even uh, I mean, before the web release, we really want to, uh, like us, 
a stretch goal or a long-term goal, I guess is a better way to call it, uh, is to have it so that there's a public scenario creator for Tailmore, mm. um, where it, you can like actually go in and edit scenarios, or at the very least, you can write them. They're all just text files right now, so you mm -hmm. don't even need to know how to code or anything. Oh wow! And you would be able to just like upload it to a server somewhere. Ideally, there's like a whole platform, and you can like share your scenarios, and other people can give you five stars and all that stuff. But of course, you know that's a dream for down the road, it's not there now, but mm -hmm. that's definitely in our vision of what we want to make. Yeah. Yeah. A huge part of why we even chose this. Um, I'm proud to say that during the public debate, I, I represented Tailmore. Um, <laughs> and a big part of the reason that, uh, you know, we wound up choosing this is choosing this is because this represents so many of those little nuggets of like love that we've had since yeah. childhood. You know, we played D and D for ages. We played Warhammer. We played all kinds of stuff like that. Um, and while we have all wound up in the video game sphere, um, there's, it's just, we have such a deep connection to, um, to these, to these pieces, these old games, hero quest, you know, all of the good yeah. stuff. So what we really want to deliver is while this is a board game, while this is our initial public offering, uh, okay. It's not an IPO, but you know, <laughs> while, <it's, laughs> while this is our initial game, um, what we really want to turn this into is a role-playing system it is something that people can use, um, from here on into the future, uh, because it does a really fantastic job of almost tutorializing the dungeon crawler. Um, mm -hmm. It's really approachable. I just pick up my phone and then it tells me what to do. I don't need to look at the rule book. You know, we even at first, our rule book for all of our beta games was nothing. It was just the phone. Um, and uh, because in the video game world, you don't get rule books. And if people need to look up rules, they hate you. So, you know, we yeah. have to very thoroughly make a game that was good at getting people into this world of dungeon crawlers. Um, so, yeah, we want to make that. We want that. We want this to be a way for people to get into this world. So yeah, you guys got a lot going on. You've got uh, on one hand, you're you're in the board game uh, development side. You're in kind of the board game, you know, transitioning into tech, the kind of the merging of those two a platform standpoint game mm -hmm. you're in the video game world you're now in board game uh convention <laughs> where are you guys going from here like what's the overall kind of scope or, or vision for kind of what comes next for you guys mm -hmm. i mean I, that's a great question um go ahead Will. okay uh that's a great question and it's something that we are still talking about so i can't give you definitive answers <laughs> and you know nothing you hear here here is necessarily an indication um, but really, uh, I, I don't think any of us are dropping Tailmore anytime soon. We really sure. love this project. So yeah. I'm going to say that, uh, you know, the main thing we're doing for the next couple of years is Tailmore and trying nice. to make this that role-playing system that we're talking about. Um, that being said, we have a lot of deep love for video games. Uh, and even that board game convention was a blast. Um, so I would imagine that, uh, you know, the, the brand we've created here, the Delve Bros, Delve Deeper, um, we often talk about making sort of unexpected, whimsical games. I would imagine that we have a lot of content coming out in that space. Um, you know, yeah, we'll throw on a random convention. Why not? Because we have fun doing it. Um, but I would imagine that the, the core of what we're building and delivering for the next couple of years continues to be Tailmore. That sounds awesome. Now, for people that are trying to find you, I'll put a link in the show notes so people can actually find your, your Kickstarter page easily. But maybe you can spell because uh, it's not phonetic, right? <laughs> Maybe you can spell the name of the game so they can find it if they want to do their own search on Kickstarter. If you're if you're elvish, it's very easy to spell. Uh, it is T A E L M O O R, all one word. Okay, so Tailmore. Tailmore. If people want to follow you guys, let's say they want to kind of just 
peek in on you guys and see what you're up to with all these shenanigans and uh, videos and content, your things you're creating, like how best do they follow you guys? Like how do they join the community? Mm-hmm. Probably the discord, which Zach referenced. Uh, so the, the URL for that is tlm.gg slash discord. Yep. And actually you can also go to tlm.gg slash Kickstarter to go to our Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. Boom. <laughs> Yeah, tlm.gg is our own URL, which we use for the web app. So we just, we turned it into a URL shortener. We got a ton of stuff tagged onto the end of mm-hmm. there. Oh, I guess that it makes it easy too, eh? It mm-hmm. does. Gentlemen, it does. I wish you all the best with this campaign. I mean, this is going to rock. I can't wait to see where you guys end up. Certainly, it's going to be significantly higher than your funding goal, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. Congrats again on already funding on this campaign. We're still nine days to go. If any of our listeners are out there, uh, find something, you know, find this interesting. I think it's, it's super cool. Uh, check it out, check out their Kickstarter page. I'll put a link in the show notes. So make it easy for you to click through. And I want to wish you guys all the best in this coming year. You take care. Thanks so much, James. Thank you, James. Thanks so much. Cheers. Cheers. This has been an episode of the board game binge podcast hosted by James Staley, produced by James Staley and Mike Bruner with original music by Nick Smith. If you would like to watch these interviews live, simply join the Facebook group Board Game Binge and you'll get access to live interviews, giveaways, and interesting board game content from across the industry. I can't wait for you to join us. See you next time.